Gamelin, the world champion, in three. Janine Gamelin is almost in unstoppable form, coached by Robin Dow. And uh, Gamelin has really dominated women's sculling since the Belgrade World Cup last year. But how about this move from Gamelin that we saw uh, sitting in the middle of the pack, in the middle of the uh, the first 500, but now we get a close-up of Janine Gamelin, the world champion, leader in the World Cup, and look how she's just powering on through this second 500. Do you reckon that's the first look she's made to her left? OK, where's Lobnik? I need to know now, and she can sense the puddles. You know, she's basically going to be in front of this race. What do you reckon? About 1,600, 1,700 metres? Well, she's just taken two lengths off the boats either side of her in the last 500. So at the moment, she's taking a length every 250 of her nearest rivals, other than Lobnik, who's right out here in front. But yeah. I'm afraid I can't see Lobnik being able to carry it on. I think Gamelin just needs to focus on herself and keep pushing those boats beside her away. Can she come back on the Swiss scholar? Well, Sunita. I think there's still 15 strokes to go. As you say, Martin, Sunita Pasperi is going to be pressing for the bronze medal. But it is Gamelin who looks like she's got control of this at the head of the field. Swiss scholar Janine Gamelin in gold. Victoria Thornley from Britain in silver. The brave Lobnig in bronze. There's the bow of the Irish. Number four, Sunita Paspura. Will she get through the Austrian? Gold for Switzerland. Silver for Britain. Bronze for the Austrian. Deserved the fantastic skull from Paspura, the Irish. She points to the sky. Janine Gamelin, the Swiss sculler that has set the world alight this season. She does it again here on the lake in Sarasota, Bradenton. Amazing job. After racing internationally for a number of years and competing at the Rio Olympics, we realized that each athlete has an epic story and a journey behind every performance, and there's so much more to the Olympics than just that final race. We know the passion we have for sport is shared by thousands of others around the world, and we want to bring these stories to you. Go On the Row Show, we have a look behind the scenes to understand the journey each athlete has taken to get to the Olympics. We get into the years of work and dedication and the hardships and the hardships an athlete has to endure to have a chance of standing on the greatest sporting stage in the world and a chance for glory. Welcome to The Rose Show. We are your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jay Green. This is a podcast where we're going to be going into everything related to sport and performance and we're also going to talk a bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks Olympics. down barriers. Yeah, right. My passion winning to be the best. To be the best is something we strive for. There's crucial roles, high fit, passion, great passion, fiction, ultimate goal, glory, relentless training, pain, pain. <laughs> Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gents. What's up? Uh, this is Lawrence. And this is Jake. So today we have really, really awesome guest on the show. Uh, today we have Swiss single scholar Janine Gamelin. She is a world champion from 2017, plus she went to the Olympics in 2016 where she came fifth. If you have been following the season, you'll know that she is in, to the top of her game. She hasn't lost a race yet since the beginning of 2017 and we're speaking to her right off her win in Linz, Austria. Yeah, she raced um, in, the, in the double at under 23s. Um, and since then, she's gone straight into the single and spent all her time in the single. So she really is uh, has a lot of experience in the single, and we're starting to see it uh, as she's starting to win and really dominate that that event. So really, really exciting. And we chat to her all about her beginnings in the sport, her Olympics, her World Champs race last year, and the two World Cup wins that she has this year already. So she started with a cracker. Uh, of uh, a 2018 season and we're really excited to see how she progresses from here what else jake well we also get into her training philosophies and the strategies that she takes into racing and just training in general um but behind every every athlete's rise to the top there's always really interesting um bits about how how they go about getting there and of course we have our quick fire questions we always get great answers to that so stay tuned for um, for that at the end of the interview also i mean it's just awesome to speak to somebody that spent that much time in the single i mean it's not something i mean we rode singles a bit um in in, in our training but we never we never really racing and ready to race them overseas so i think it's just a it's a really different mental game the the single it's it's lonely out there the training is is by yourself all the time like i think it's 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 a very different vibe and that definitely comes across uh when we chat to her so I think it's it's really exciting, and yeah, please enjoy the show. 
And uh, just a quick, uh, please excuse our sound quality this episode. We had some, we had some trouble in the beginning, but it definitely gets better after the first few minutes. Yeah, so don't worry. And if you're really, uh, if you're really upset about the sound quality, just skip along and uh, and catch on. Uh, after a few minutes, then it uh, it settles down and gets a lot better. Cool. So just some housekeeping. Uh, if you want any info on the show, uh, any of the races that we talk about, or any of the the things that that we mention, they're all in the show notes below. So you can go and have a look. We really love doing the show, but in order to keep it sustainable and to keep it going, we need you to help us by sharing the podcast and telling your friends about us. Also, by rating the show and leaving a review, it'll make us much better at what we do and it'll keep us going. Yeah, and also, like uh, we noticed that people struggle to to understand what the what the like people understand what the podcast is, but they're not sure how to how to use it or or how to get hold of the the episodes as they come out. So. Next time you, you're talking to someone, maybe that they would be interested in the show, but they wouldn't know how it works, just uh, show them the app that you use and, and show them how the, the podcast works because there's so many awesome shows out there. And obviously, we're your favorite, but there are lots of, of others you can listen to as well. Of course. And that's enough of us babbling on. Let's get into the show. Enjoy, everyone. Cool. So I think uh, let's get going. So... Hey Janina, welcome to The Row Show. Thanks for giving us some of your time to have a chat. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, Janine, we, we, we will get into the last two World Cups of racing in no time, but we just want to start with your beginnings in the sport. We looked at the results and we see that you started relatively late competing on an international level. Can you just explain to us how you started rowing? Um, I started rowing now, it's about 15 years ago. Um, together with my brother, we were both quite close in age, so we were at the time we were looking for a hobby, and we grew up near a lake, so we spent a lot of time at the lake, and it was quite logical that we try rowing someday, and then that's how I got into rowing. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, it was really just I did it for fun in my free time, and didn't have any intentions to to go for it on an international level or like I was not thinking at competing in Olympics or anything like this when I started and not even in my first few years. I just enjoyed it a lot and I enjoyed especially being outside a lot. And then I was quite success, successful on a national but not like not really as successful as I could have been maybe, or also just not a, successful enough to make the junior team. I was competing at the, the Coupe de la Jeunesse, which is junior European championship, but it's not that competitive. And because at the time there were no junior championships, European championships. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into international rowing. And then I had kind of a little break wasn't sure how I wanted to continue drawing, wasn't sure if I wanted to carry on and go all in or not. And then um, my brother competed 2011 in the under-23 world champs in Amsterdam and won the bronze medal there in the lightweight quad. And I was in the grandstand and uh, emotions and just the atmosphere in the grandstand was amazing and I said, okay, that's it. I want to go for it as well. And from there, I worked my way up and yeah, basically step by step made it to the top. Yes, and it's actually when we looked at your um, your rowing career so far, it, it was quite a, from when you started under 23s, I mean, that's quite a late start considering um, that you're already finished juniors and it was a last year at under 23s can you just chat to us about racing that under 23s in the double did that first race at under 23s give you the belief or the conviction that you were doing the right thing um experience at the under 23 world champs wasn't the best to be honest um it was just after the under 23s where i had to decide like am i really going to carry on with rowing or not um because i I mean, it was my last year as an under-23 rower, so I had to decide if I wanted to join the elite team or not. Between my physical, like the physical state was really big, so I knew I had to do a lot of training to catch the senior team. And, yeah, I spoke to many people. My coach 
my club coach. And then, then from that under twenty three year, you've only spent time in the single. Was that uh, was that just because you do, there wasn't uh, enough people to row with, or do you really just love the single and, and want to give the single the, the the best shot you can? No, it was really because no one was around that had the same like after twenty twelve. I said I want to go and try to qualify for the Olympics. And there was no other girl who had the same goal. So, and also at the time, no other girl that was at the same kind of level in terms of fitness. No other choice than do it in the single. But I mean, in my club, I was always the only girl. So I was used to race the single a lot. And I actually, at the time already, I really enjoyed it. And I still do very much. So. Yeah, there's definitely something special about um, making the single go fast uh, as, as just all by yourself and it's all on you. And then the results are, are all about you as well. So there's that special element of the, of the single. So I'm sure it's quite nice, especially now that you, you're starting to get some, some really quality performances in. It must be quite awesome having that having that feeling in the single yeah what I like about the single is that you have, have to be really honest with yourself and I think like you have to be able to look in the mirror and just say yes that's a weakness of mine or also acknowledge your strength and I think that's something very unique and it's something I really I really enjoy and I really I embrace it so it's it's also what you said, like being responsible for your own actions, it's something, yeah, it's something really special and I think a lot of power is connected to it. So that's something I really like about it. Yeah, and then, I mean, when we when we look at your, your, your progress throughout the years, um, there are really two big steps that you have seemed to have taken. The first big one was in, in 2015 where you started breaking into the A finals and probably just, just in time because... 2015 is the year where you qualify for the Olympics. Talk to us about getting your spot to the Olympics, qualifying in the A final in Egbelet, France. Yeah, that was really a big step. This season was kind of my breakthrough. I started to work with my former coach, Tim Dolphin, from Australia in spring 2015, and we really get along really well, really quickly. Um, he helped me a lot mainly about like how to say mentally how to think as a professional athlete and then the training has changed also I would say in autumn to 14 because Ian Wright from New Zealand joined us as the head coach from the Swedish drawing team so those two things probably worked well together to have a really successful 215 season and I mean Amsterdam I came 15th and then I knew it would be a really big that that I had to, to take a really big step to fight for Rio. And with the changes in the train program and like I said, working with Tim, big step and ended up higher than I ever thought I would in such a short amount of time. And I mean qualifying for the Olympics and making the A final for the first time was an amazing amazing feeling. Yes, and then chat to us about your your preparation for the Olympics. Because I mean, it you know going from fifteenth in twenty fourteen to qualifying for Olympics, it must have been such a huge accomplishment. But then obviously you finish at the twenty fifteen season, and then you have to move forward and actually prepare for racing at the Olympics. Can you you know speak to us quickly about your experience in Rio? What was it like racing in a single? Um, we, I mean, we looked at your progression and it seemed like you went through the, the quarters and the semis um, without too much difficulty getting to that A final. But just sh- can you shed some light on what your experience was racing at the Olympics? It was really hard, but we had a, a big camp in New Zealand, so we could kind of skip the Swiss winter, which means we could do a lot of rowing instead of alternative sessions. Um, here in Switzerland, which I think was a big was a big bonus to be able to row the whole season, like the whole kind of off season, 
instead of having to switch to the erg or also skiing or things like that. Um, competing in Rio was, I mean, I think everyone remembers the actions were really difficult and it wasn't just handling the conditions rowing wise, it was also being able to acknowledge that and embrace that maybe you won't have the perfect race in terms of how it feels like good rowing or just making out the most of the situation and adapt as quickly to the situation and conditions as you possibly could. Probably why I was successful at the Rio Olympics, not just because I could cope with the conditions, but also I could cope with the fact that the conditions were difficult, the conditions were changing and you had to mentally adapt quickly. Yeah, so <clears throat> so it's quite exciting uh, to to see that progression. I mean, the the conditions. I mean, both uh, Jake and I raced in in Rio, and those conditions were were quite outrageous and wild. And then just talk us through that that a final. How was it? Um, how did you feel on the start line? What was going through your head? And and yeah, talk about your your first Olympic a final. To be honest, I can't remember much of the race. It's also because it's for like now it's so far away. Seems like it's like ages ago, um, but I was just really grateful to be in the in the final at my first Olympics. It was something I was I was thinking maybe I can achieve an A final like in a in a place where I was where I've never been or where I was never expected to be that quickly because my goal until then was to qualify for the Olympics. And then I ended up being in the final, not coming lost in the end. So yeah, it was just better than, than I've ever dreamed of. And I was just very grateful for for that opportunity. Then since the, the Games, you, you haven't really lost a race. So tell us how what has changed since the Olympics to, to get you up to, to that number one spot and... Yeah, maybe in your training or racing or, or anything else in your life that you you've changed to get to get that speed. Um, I think one key point or one key factor why the seventeen season was successful um, was that I already before the Rio Olympics I had I wanted to be sure what's coming next. Like I decided before I went to Rio what will be happening in my life after you and I decided that I wanted to go four years all in in like into rowing and give it the best shot I could and um yeah so I I kind of tried to make out the most of the break I had because we we um we had the both like the head coach Ian and also my coach at the time Tim. They both left the federation and went back to their home countries. Like actually, Ian is now in Australia too, but they left the federation. So I knew there will be a time where I won't have a coach and I won't have to train at our national center in Sarnen where I'm usually training. Um, and then I tried to organize and set up kind of an environment where I could still train but be at a really different place and my former club coach he was coaching at California Rowing Club at the time and it was just perfect to combine um, a trip to the to another environment and, and see another part of the world while I was still able to train um, so my, my whole autumn basically until Christmas was just a kind of one long holiday. Um, but with rowing and with training, I took my bike with me, got on some really nice bike rides around California. Um, yeah, and I was really just enjoying the combination of like kind of easy training, but seeing another part of the world. And then the only difficult thing at the time was not knowing who will be the next coach or head coach or my coach for the 17th season because yeah to 16 was go like was getting to an end it was Christmas around Christmas and we and I still didn't knew 
who will be in charge of the Swiss rowing team and in charge of me. And I started to kind of worry a bit. And also I hadn't anyone, like I had no one to write a training plan for me. So I was just training on my own and basically writing my own training program. And then in the beginning of February, Robin Dowell from Great Britain joined the Swiss Federation as the head coach. And yeah, it was, I was really skeptical if, if I could just pick up where I basically left with my, with my old coach, Tim. And I was a bit worried that it couldn't be as good as with Tim because we just got along really well. And then to my surprise, it was probably, it is not fair to say it was even better, but it was really, we, we met each other and we, right from the beginning, I think both of us felt like this can work really good and we can work together really well. And then that's what happened basically. Um, I was just also very eager to have a coach again. Like I was half a year without, without the coach. So I was just really eager to have someone that I could work with because in a single you're on your own. And so your only teammate is kind of the coach. So uh, yeah, it was, it was really good to have someone to be able to talk to and ask for advice and just, you know, have around a bit also. Yeah, because that and single is, it is a bit crazy to, I mean, there is no one else there. So you, you need that coach to, to as you said, yeah. to, to be almost a teammate, to, to help you through some of the yeah. tough days and, and the difficult days. And then, but just going back a touch, so the, the Swiss team, it must have changed quite a lot after, after the Rio games because, as you say, Tim was there and the, the Light T4 was doing very, very well. And then they obviously cut the Lightweight 4 as an Olympic event. And then that must have caused a, a big change in the team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, the, like the, the leading athletes of the Swiss team at the time around Rio Olympics was without doubt the lightweight four and they all took a year off after Rio and some of them left open how they want or will carry on with rowing. So it was really like the leading athletes, they weren't there anymore. And a few of the of the athletes that have been to Rio, they were um, still like they were still in the team and also wanted to compete in 2017, but had like other focuses on on like studying or just rowing wasn't the number one priority. And for me, it still was. So that made me kind of yeah. I wouldn't say the leading athlete, but just also maybe together with the with the lightweight woman, they also they weren't competing in Rio, but they tried to qualify and they didn't qualify. But they were really eager to put drawing as their number one priority as well, and so we we kind of were the athletes that really wanted to go on and push and like prepare for the season very early and that's why it was basically a bit difficult for for us to be there without no coach so so it must have been pretty awesome then starting the last year's season off i mean you as you say a very tricky time no coach and like you just sort of uh not sure exactly on, on how everything is going to work out and then slowly that you get a new coach and things start start to to go your way and then your your first World Cup last year, and you come away with uh, a win in the heat, a win in the semi, and a win in the the final. So tell us about that that first uh, the first big win of you for you, and and how that was. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't wish for a better start into a season, which was kind of different because of all the things I just mentioned. Um, so I was just really really happy to yeah to start the season in that way and then also it was just a really good stepping stone in terms of to see like I have progressed even though I haven't maybe had the best preparation 
training wise or just a bit different because of all the circumstances that were going on but it was really a good base that proved me that I'm really at the top now and, and that I, it was also a confidence boost of course and then it was just really good to see that how I've worked in this short amount of time with Robin is working really well and gave us the confidence that what we are doing is the right thing. Yeah, and then Janine, moving forward, I mean, you're winning at World Cups, you won at your home ground in the CERN, which must have been amazing, but the the big race of the season was World Champs, and um, for any athletes, you know, when it comes to World Champs, the World Cup races are all just a building a building format into the, the final race of the season. And in 2017, you came away with the gold medal, which means you were the world champion in the women's single. That must have been a really, really um, amazing accomplishment and a huge, a huge, uh, another big step up for you um, going forward. Tell us about becoming world champion and what was it like racing in Florida? Yeah, it's still a bit like if I stay now, I'm the world champion. It still sounds sounds crazy to me and still a bit like, does that really happen? Um, but I think it's a good thing because it's just. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm like. I'm still kind of in disbelief that I'm the actual world champion. But I think it's good because it makes me still trying to push my boundaries and trying to push to be the best. Even though I basically like the world champion title is kind of a sign that you are at the top of your sport. But it's not how I feel, and I think it's good because it helps me to still improve so yeah to win in florida was i mean <laughs> again a bit in, like in rio it was something i was never not that i didn't believe i could achieve it but it was just better than anything i've ever dreamed of and it was just i think for me it was really the pinnacle of the of the teamwork between Robin and I because that was that was the outstanding thing for me in the last season. It was how well we worked together to be the best him, the best coach and me the best athlete. And I think that's what it's all about and that's why it's so amazing to work with him. It's it's just how how well can we be and how well like how far can we go and so that's that's really something i enjoy a lot with him so and so tell us so obviously now you you you've come through the season you've had uh you've had uh, awesome world cups and and you haven't lost a race yet and now you you're in that a final tell us what did you what did you chat with your coach before getting on the water for that a final um what are sort of the what is the the pre the pre-race chat that you had what is your plan going into the race the number one plan is always to race my race. I think that's that's never changing. Um, whether it's a World Cup, whether it's a World Championship, whether it's a heat, whether it's a final. And that's what the pre-race chat is all about. It's about my race and my boat and my lane. And everything else isn't like doesn't matter. It can't, I, I can't influence anything else. So it's really just about what is in my power and in my, in my power is my release and my boat. So that's what the pre-race chat is all about. So, so talking about your race and, 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 and that focus in your, in your boat, I mean, we've, we've noticed that a lot of your races, you're not, uh, you're not really, uh, pushing that, that, or, or I don't know, it doesn't look like you're pushing that hard at the start to, to lead that first 500. The goal is, is to be leading at the end of the race. Is that something that you you really trying hard to do and and to to really be strong through the middle of the race because a lot of your competition is is flying out the blocks and and trying to get a big lead on you at the beginning of the race. Yeah, I think everyone has to find a bit like their style of racing and um, also I think everyone has to kind of race towards their strength maybe and probably that's what everyone does so they're racing 
their races and I'm racing my race and they probably look a bit different. Also because there is a difference in height. I mean, I'm a lot smaller than everyone else. So I really have to stick to what my strengths are and it's definitely, I'm not, the, I'm not a sprinter. So that's a fact and yeah. That's probably how or why I don't look like I'm flying at the start out of the block. Yes, and then I mean the biggest, the best example of this is uh, last World Cup um, in Austria. Magdalena Lobnik went way up on you in the, in the beginning of the race. Tell us about what it was like um, racing from a little bit behind there, and did she give you a little bit of a fright um, with the aggression that she took into the beginning of the race? The thing is, when I'm really in my race and in my zone, like, so I, I don't actually notice what is going on beside me, which maybe could be an a disadvantage, but I think it's an advantage because I then really focus on, on my boat, like I said, on my race, and I'm not really noticing what is going on. Um, and also, Magdi was two lanes I think two lanes away so it was difficult to see where she was and in the end I mean I knew that she probably will go out hard at the start but I actually didn't I can't remember the point where I catched her because I I was just focusing on my performance rather than what is going on around me yeah, so talking about your, your performance and, and your training philosophy, what does performance mean to you? Doing your best and doing the best you can do with what you have. And then and then when 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 is that? Like when is that in training or, or in racing for you? I mean the hard work happens in training. If you don't train what you need to be able to like to be able to perform in a race under pressure, under physical um, stress. If you don't practice that in training, you won't be able to do it in racing. It's that simple. So the hard bit and the not fancy bit is the training. It can be really, especially in winter, it can be really monotone and I think you have to embrace it and once you do that then racing will be fun no like no question about it because it's the it's the fun part it's the fun part yeah and like i think for for you guys especially the winter is is pretty cold so i mean you 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 you're saying that you can only row when it's uh, when the lake's not frozen over and I mean, for us, we're in the middle of winter, and I think I rode in a t-shirt today. Yeah. So it's quite a, a foreign world to us, those, uh, those long winter, very cold winters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, winter is um, grey, cold, wet sometimes. Um, can be nice with the snow and the mountains, but it's really cold most of the time. How much? Um, uh... Which makes it, makes it sometimes hard, but just it's how it is, and... You can still try to do your best with what you have, like I said before. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of also a mindset thing. Yeah, we we always fascinated in, in winter training. Do you do you do any cross country skiing as cross training for the for the rowing in winter? Yeah, we do we do kind of a lot, quite a lot of cross country skiing because it's really like we train in the national center it's in Sarnen and it's really close to to good places for cross-country skiing so we implemented a lot yeah. yeah I think it's something our, our South African team would, uh, would be quite handle. a shock to the system I think to <laughs> to first learn how to ski and then uh, and then put the, the body on the line to do it so that would be quite hectic which um, which months of the year for you are the most important uh, to perform at the end of the year in, in at the World Champs Um, difficult to break it down down to one month, but it's it's the winter. Um, it's like I said, where the it's not fun. I mean, it's not always fun in the winter, 
it's sometimes hard it's dark outside and like monotone and sometimes you feel like you can't see the end of the tunnel but it's what makes you fast in summer so it's it's the winter um yeah. So, um, Janine, we um, obviously you've you've come, you've made a huge step up in your career, and I'm I've always interested to hear the opinion of athletes like yourself that have had a, had such a successful step up to an elite level and now being the top of your game. What advice would you have to younger athletes or athletes that are looking to break through um, of being at the bottom of a finals and actually start getting onto the podium or any younger athletes that are trying to break through into elite level, what advice would you give them? And maybe on the flip side, what mistakes do you often see athletes making trying to get to the top level? So to answer your first question, I think one, especially if I think of rowing, it takes time. I mean, it's training and experience that will take you to the top. It's not just talent. It's really, yeah, you have to work hard for maybe quite a while. And then that will give you, I would say, the base to then explore your boundaries. And then also just like if you have something that is like your heart is beating for, then go and do it. Just like follow your heart. That's the most important thing. And it takes courage because maybe you don't get the support from everyone around you. Maybe there are doctors. They won't believe that you will make it. But in the end, yeah, you have to do what you think is right. You have to do what you think is the best for you, even though it takes takes courage sometimes and then the second question like what are the mistakes I see um, maybe it's really just giving up too early and yeah I, I'm not sure if everyone's so lucky like because I'm really lucky to have a really big team of support behind behind me which consists of family, friends, and also my club. They've always been in my corner since day one. And like, they believed in me more than I have, like more than I did. So yeah, maybe not being surrounded by the right, right team of support could be a mistake too, but it's not something you can 100% influence because I mean, yeah, you can't change that you do. You are, I don't know, in the in the Swiss rowing team, and you can't change the coaches, maybe. And like, that's something you have to work around a bit. And if things don't work, you have to make them work, and not wait for someone else to change or or doing it different. It's you who have has to approach it differently, or change the setup or change what like whatever you can change you have to change it and not like not wait for someone else or something else to do it yeah those are some uh, seriously wise words there i think that's uh, probably one of the best answers to that question we've yeah, we've sure. had in uh, on all the the guests so really insightful and really really awesome for to hear that wisdom um going back to to your racing which do you think is the... What's your favorite race of your career? I'm sure it's going to be quite easy, but you still want to know. <laughs> so hard to say. So hard to say. I love racing so much and I enjoy every race. Um, and I've had so many good races. <laughs> <laughs> do I really have to pick one? <laughs> Yeah, you have to pick one because I mean, most people just think it's uh, it's it's becoming a world champion or you know like a, an easy pick. But often for an athlete, it's a it's a sneaky race somewhere in a heat somewhere, or you know that really maybe made a big change to to how they viewed the sport or or how they carried on in the future. What I can say is, I mean, there are races where I'm really 
really completely 100% in my lane and no, it's not always the same. Sometimes it maybe, let's say, half of the race, sometimes it's three quarters of the race and really like the whole race. Probably World Champs was one of the best races. So, yeah, it, it's any race that I could race to my 100 full, full, full potential. Okay. And then on the on the flip side of that coin, if you could go back and, and do any race again or, ra- or do a race over, uh, which race would you choose? Yeah, I think there I have to go with the final for World Champs. Okay. So, yeah. so you can win, a, <laughs> win again, maybe by a bit more. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I remember the last 30 strokes where I realized no one's going to be able to take this away from me um and that that was just an amazing feeling but also then knowing that the rest of the race i was really racing my race and i can't remember anything of the race which means i was in the moment like stroke for stroke so yeah probably that's an easy question (laughs) um and we Obviously, often when we speak to guests on the show, there's, there's always noticeable rivalries and people that they've raced throughout their careers and developed a relationship with. Do you have anyone that you um, particularly love to race against or do you have anyone that you've struck up quite a rivalry with across your years of rowing? Um, rivalry, I wouldn't say rivalry. I mean, what I, what I think is a really, like, it's the beauty of rowing and also maybe the beauty of single sculling is that we know each other quite well um, and I was lucky to race two times in the grade 8 already so um, the time you spend there with your fellow competitors is just amazing and I have so much respect for everyone that is racing the single if it's doesn't matter if it's male or female and then I think Carling Seaman from Canada and I we are really quite good friends and I spent my holiday with her last year after World Champs. And it's just, yeah, I mean, I want to see her succeed as much as I want to succeed myself. And I think that's really a special thing. And um, yeah, it's, it's something I think it's really, really cool that you can be competitors and also friends at the, at the same time. Yeah, and I think especially in the single, it's 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 actually one of the I think one of the nicest parts of the whole sport for for us to see is like that the, 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 everyone in the single is just as you say so much respect for each other and almost like just really really good good friends. I mean, we spoke to to Olaf earlier in the show, and he just he said that the the single scholars just basically travel around Europe in a, and uh, just really really cool to see. I think it's something that our our sport needs a bit more maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, Janine, we're going to move into our final part of the interview. I don't know if you've had a listen to previous episodes, but we have a section where we ask the guests on the show exactly the same questions. They're known as quickfire questions. Some of them you might be put in the hot seat, and then some might be a bit difficult to answer. But the first question is, if you could race any boat class at the Olympic Games, what would it be? Other than the single. No, you can uh, you can choose a single if uh, if that's that's the one you want to you want to race and win. I mean, you know, I, I, right now I just want to like my number one goal is to race the single in Tokyo and do the best I can possibly do. But then, over time, now with the years, um, that's really something special. I've I've noticed that I would also kind of like to make the experience how it is to race in a crew boat because I think it's really different. Maybe the basics are the same, but then being together in the same boat with a teammate and doing all the things together under pressure is a lot different to the single. So if I could choose or if I had to choose another boat, then the single, it would be the double. Okay. 
And then, and do you train uh, any like in any other boats during the year, or is it just single for you the whole the whole year? Uh, it's basically just a single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that single is the the gladiator event, so I'm sure you you that's a big one for you to to tick off over the next uh, few years. So then the the next question is, and it's going to be a little bit of a spanner because you already chosen the single. But if you could choose any three people from any time and anywhere in the world to to race in a in a four quad with who would your three crewmates be could it also be male that yes. could be anyone anyone. Yeah. anyone okay um so i'll pick of course carling because like i said she's a good friend of mine um then definitely damir martin i think i have a lot of admiration for him um as an athlete and also as a person, so then it would be. What else would it be? Um, yeah, one more seat. Maybe, before. maybe uh, a guy from the Terminate. I I don't know them personally, but just I think would be good to have someone with experience from a really big boat, and then obviously from a boat that is really, or from a crew that is quite successful. Quite a diverse group of people there racing together. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Janine, moving forward, what is your favorite rowing race? It doesn't have to be your own, but what is your favorite rowing race that you find yourself watching over and over again? Um, yeah, I mean, the race from the Rio Olympics from the men's single is definitely one I've watched a few times. Um, other than that, I couldn't choose one. Well, that's a pretty, a pretty remember, good one to choose. I though. remember watching the Olympics in London 2012 because my brother was there as a bear. Um, and basically any race I was watching, I was sitting there with goosebumps. So, so hard to pick one. Yeah, that's very funny. We we're probably sitting in the grandstand together because my my older brother was also racing there, and I was um, in the grandstands watching as well. <laughs> <laughs> any any Olympic race, basically, though, is uh, yeah, is a good one a big, to watch. One. Um, the next yeah. question is slightly on a different track. If you if you weren't an athlete and you were in charge of of world rowing, what would you like to add in, or what would you change? What would you like to see at world rowing? Oh, difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to stay from the outside, but if I could, I would try to maybe put in events that are more attractive to the like to people who do not even know about rowing. So rowing would be a bit more popular, maybe. Um, trying to interviews or stories about the leading athletes whatever and then also maybe do a few motivational videos about just the beauty of rowing because i think it's so unique because it combines so many different aspects it's a, it's a power sport it's an endurance sport you need mental skills it's a technical sport um yeah, just so many things combined. You're outside in nature. And I think people don't often realize what it really needs to be on top in rowing. Because when they see us row, they think, oh, it's so easy and it looks so effortless. But then once someone has to actually try, it's like, fuck, this is hard. <laughs> Not yeah. just physically, but like technically as well. So. I like what you're saying because it's uh, you're saying like uh, I agree as well that the sport is is so beautiful and so awesome to watch already. It's it's more about how do you let more people understand how how awesome it is instead of trying to change what it is. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. I think that's quite an important uh, important point. So the next question is uh, straight from uh, the book of secrets, and um, hopefully you'll you'll want to answer it, but we'll see. And we have to ask it as it's uh, as podcast. it's a rowing podcast. So, what is your 
uh, your PB on the on the ergo, your two K PB. It's six forty seven. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Yeah, that's not uh, not messing around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and was that done this year or, or last year? It was December two six two two seventeen, so off a year ago. Okay. okay, that's quite an interesting time of the year to to be going so quickly on the erg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we had big block of of training in autumn, so. Probably yes, it was just the right time of the year. We were we spent a lot of time in the gym as well, so yeah. Okay, and then Janine, last question of the podcast: If you had to choose a different sport to go to the Olympics in, what would it be and why? I think track cycling, um, because you need strong legs, and that's what I what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I've been on the track once uh, when I was doing my uh, military training. I had the chance to be on the track in here in Switzerland and race on a track bike, and it was such a cool experience. I like cycling anyway, um, but yeah, I could really see myself doing track cycling. Yeah, that's uh, that's my choice as well because I also love cycling, but um, as a heavyweight, it's way too. Way too big to to race on yeah. the on the road, and I think yeah. I'd be quite at home on the on the track where the big power is. Yeah, Janine, and that's that's it for our interview. We uh, thanks a lot for tuning in and, and speak to us a bit. Um, we've we've loved talking to you, and you've you've been rowing really well this season and last season. We both uh, would like to formally congratulate you on the good results from the, the first two World Cups and. We, sh- we can't wait to see you racing in Lucerne, your home ground. I'm sure you can't wait. Yes, I can't wait. But yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, thanks for the challenging questions. It was really interesting. Um, enjoyed it very much. So yeah, just okay. good luck for the rest of the season. And hopefully we'll see you somewhere overseas at some point. Yeah, would be cool. All right. Cheers, Janine. Cheers. Thanks very much. Have a good day, guys. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. There we go. Tops. Cool. So that's a wrap for our episode with uh, Janine Gamelin. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys are all enjoying the racing at Henley Royal Gather this weekend. Um, we've been following it ourselves, and there's been epic racing so far. So um, that's been that's been great. And uh, we've got some more episodes coming at you with some epic guests. And of course, stay tuned for the World Cup review that we will be doing on the racing in Lucerne. Yeah, but before that, uh, next week we chat to the King of Watts, uh, Sam Locke. So that's going to be, that was such an interesting chat uh, that that we have with him. So that's going to be a really good episode to keep an eye out for that. And yeah, once again, let everyone know about our show. Go rate us and uh, and leave us a review. And yeah, share it. Help us grow. Yeah, of course, guys. And uh, above all, thanks for tuning in. This is Jake out. Sweet. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Okay, we start from there. Um, okay, so just think about it. We played. Oh my god, that's fucking. <laughs> <laughs>